listening to SBS on the Money with Ricardo Gonsalves. It is your daily 10-minute business and finance news wrap for this Monday, the 6th of November 2023. We'll start with Westpac's $7.2 billion fully profit, an increase of uh, 26%. It did also uh, announce a $1.42 per share full-year dividend and is looking to buy back $1.5 billion uh, worth of shares. Uh, But what is it seeing with its customers as interest rates rise and the cost of living also increases? Uh, Here is its CEO, Peter King, uh, addressing that at its media conference and analyst conference earlier today. The Australian economy has slowed with headwinds from high inflation and higher interest rates. Consumers are being squeezed by cost of living pressures, meaning many have no choice but to adjust their spending. While there has been an increase in hardship, the vast majority of consumers have displayed resilience. For business, the slowdown in growth and higher costs is affecting demand and profitability, and we have seen a small rise in stress across business customers, although at this stage, it's been isolated. Peter King there, the CEO of Westpac. Uh, Westpac shares, though, rising today 2.14%. We'll tell you more about that in a few moments. But it comes on a day where the Australian share market rose by about uh, 0.3% on the S&P ASX 200. For more details, I spoke earlier with David Burton-Jones. He is the Joint Chief Investment Officer at Equitas Investment Partners. David, the Reserve Bank Board meets tomorrow. What's the market pricing in in terms of a chance of a rate rise and what's that likely to mean for investments? Okay, well, based on the implied interest rate probabilities, it's probably closer to 50-50 for tomorrow. So it's basically a coin toss, but it is a certainty over the next quarter. So whether it's today or next month, almost kind of doesn't matter. A hike is fully expected. Now, what that means is if you don't get one tomorrow, and the RBA make dovish noises, i.e. that they are pretty much done, then I think you can expect a very strong reaction from the market, across stocks, across bonds, across property. That's probably not too bad a starting point. If they hike, well, it was priced in. If they don't hike, it'll be a good end to cup day, no matter how your horse did. How is the interest rate environment in Australia different to that of the rest of the world? Because only over the past week or so, we saw the US, the Bank of England, um, the ECB all hold interest rates. And I think we even had data over the weekend in the US suggesting that the jobs market has been starting to cool so that rates there may have actually peaked. You're right. It, it is very different. So the RBA have explicitly targeted what we would call a, a softer monetary policy stance. And that means rates lower than peers because they are worried about the mix of high house prices, they're worried about high household debt and variable rate mortgages, but it has meant that inflation has been a little stickier here than in other parts of the world, and it's now running hotter here than in other parts of the world. So we now find ourselves having to hike when others are either on hold or they're thinking about cutting. Ultimately, it means that there's no free lunches out there, I'm afraid. What about the reaction on the Australian dollar? Because I note that it did jump to above 65 US for the first time since around about August. Mostly, yes. So we've had stronger commodity prices over the last couple of months. Iron ore is holding above 120 bucks a tonne. Gold is close on $2,000 US an ounce. Oil is elevated. Ordinarily, these things would push the Aussie dollar up a little bit further than it currently is. 
But the strength over the last week has been entirely due to those higher domestic inflation prints, coupled with fairly resilient retail sales data coming in a little hotter than expected. And that's caused the market to, to reassess the RBA's reaction function. Higher interest rates, higher foreign exchange is usually how it goes. Okay. The Australian share market today, what's driving it? Beaten up healthcare stocks for the most part. Now, the, the sector's really struggled with higher interest rates, for one, but also some sector-specific fears over GLP-1s, these miracle weight loss drugs that you might have heard about. The market does love to run with the bit between the teeth, to use a, a racing analogy. And in this case, the narrative of a wonder drug that is good for all that ails you made the market fear that we wouldn't need as much product from CSL, devices from ResMed, services from Sonic or, or hospital beds from Ramsey to round out the list. And then the market wakes up from its party and decides, oh, wait, actually, those companies will probably be around for a while yet. And so they've been recovering. Now, this is all very normal behaviour for, for Mr. Market. One stock that did well today, though, is Westpac as well. Uh, it follows a 26% jump in full-year cash profit to about $7.2 billion. Um, what's your take on the numbers? The key bit that the market liked was the buyback and the larger-than-expected dividend. So Westpac is very well capitalised. It has a very strong balance sheet. During the pandemic, they took a lot of provisions for expected losses those losses didn't subsequently eventuate. And now they can give back some of that capital that had been stored away for a rainy day back to the market. Now, if you follow Westpac closely, you'll know that they've had one of the lowest ROEs, that's return on equity of the large cap banks, and one of the highest cost to income ratios, which is bad. Now, the story of Westpac, the changing story, is that the ROE is slowly going up over time, closing the gap to ANZ, closing the gap to NAB, and they're also finding productivity gains. They're taking cost out of the business such that the cost to income ratio falls. Now, that's all of the Westpac specific stuff that's good and that's driving the share price today. Overall, however, the result did show that net interest margins, the NIM, that remains under pressure due to competition whilst funding costs go up. And that's been a sector-wide issue. Okay, let's wrap up by talking about where you see the opportunities for investors at the moment. Well, for once, I, I have a different answer for you. Normally, when you and I speak, I talk about the insurance companies. I still think that they look quite good, but the healthcare names have certainly become vastly more attractively priced over the last quarter. And so we've been allocating capital into some of those names that I touched upon earlier. Some of the arguably boring consumer staples continue to look good to us. So that's companies like Metcash and Coles, names that you'd be familiar with. They both benefit from the very strong population growth that we are getting, that we are seeing, but they don't come with some of the uncertainty about consumer spending that the retailers do, the consumer discretionary stocks like Harvey Norman or JB Hi-Fi, for example. And both companies are substantively cheaper than Woolworths, so we like them. At the multi-asset fund level, it's bonds. Uh, the best yields in 22 years look very good to us. So investment grade credit and Australian government bonds are something we quite like at the moment as well. David Burthen-Jones there from Aquitus Investment Partners. This SBS On The Money podcast is provided for informational purposes only. The content on this podcast should not be understood as constituting advice or a recommendation. It is not personal advice and does not consider your personal circumstances or objectives. You should contact a licensed professional before making any financial decision. Music